This is episode 68 of the Sugar Mamas podcast, and today I'm chatting with my very good friend, Shannon Kreitzer. Shannon is a fifth grade teacher, God bless her soul. She is also a mom to a truly amazing young lady named Delaney living with type 1 diabetes, and Shannon is just a wonderful, kind, and funny human being. She shares with us today what it's like to have your T1D participate in a major clinical research trial testing the drug teplizumab. For those of you who haven't heard of teplizumab in the type 1 research space, it is an IV-infused drug that has shown great promise in protecting and prolonging the insulin-producing life of beta cells of newly diagnosed T1Ds, as well as those who may have the autoantibody markers and are trying to delay or even prevent clinical onset of type 1 diabetes. It's truly fascinating. I know you are going to love this interview with Shannon. So let's go ahead and get started. You're listening to the Sugar Mamas podcast, a show designed for moms and caregivers of type 1 diabetics. Here you'll find a community of like-minded people who are striving daily to keep their kids safe, happy, and healthy in the ever-changing world of type 1. I'm your host and fellow T1D mom, Katie Roseborough. Enjoy! Before we get started, I need you to know that nothing you hear on the Sugar Mamas podcast should be considered medical advice. Please be safe, be smart, and always consult your physician before making changes to the way you manage type 1 diabetes. Thanks. My name is Shannon, and I am a basic school teacher who was walking around life thinking everything was fine. And then in March of 2021, my daughter was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. That's exactly right. And Shannon is my friend in real life, meaning I get to see her on a somewhat regular basis, like in the flesh, which is so fun. Shannon is super fun, just so everybody knows. I feel like it's going to take a massive effort for us not to get derailed and start with the shenanigans. But so yeah, the podcast connected us and Shannon actually just was being the wonderful, nice person that she is, emailed me to just say thank you and that they were really enjoying the show and she was listening with her daughter. And then she said something about driving to Orlando, which is a, a very drivable distance for me too. And I was like, oh, where where are you? I'm I'm pretty close to Orlando myself. And she told me where she lived. And I was like, no way. That's the city that I live in too. We both have nine-year-old daughters with type 1 diabetes. We both drive white Honda Odyssey minivans. So obviously that's the cool kids club. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. So Shannon and I, we, we get to see each other in real life, which is really fun. Shockingly right now though, we're recording this over the internet because- I kind of made the executive decision that if we were recording in person, it might not go well. We're going to go off track. But I made notes. Like I said, I made notes. I have my I have my other computer right here. I have my phone up with notes. So we're going to do we're going to do this great. All right, Shannon, we're going to go ahead and get started. So when I first met Shannon, we met at a park because we were like, obviously, we have to get together. And very quickly, I learned that her daughter Delaney is involved in a clinical trial that's going on in our city. And it's a pretty intense clinical trial with the drug teplizumab. And Shannon, that is why I wanted to have Shannon on here today, is to tell everybody what it's like to have a kid who's actually involved in a really in-depth clinical trial for type 1 research. So you already said when Delaney was diagnosed, right? March of 2021. 
So yes. at what point in time did you guys find out about the clinical trial and how did you find out? So less than two weeks. I was still not sleeping more than three or four hours a night. And, you know, we thank the Lord walked out of the hospital with the Dexcom and have not had much of a lapse, you know, a couple of malfunctions, maybe user error, but otherwise have not been without. And so even with that, the first, you know, few weeks or so are so overwhelming. You don't really, you know, like several people have said on the podcast, you're in the hospital for two, three, four days. And they're like, okay, here's this life-giving medicine. You, Her next dose is at about 3.30. Can you be home by then? <laughs> so we were on spring break. The week that She was diagnosed. And so we went through that week, went back to school the next, the following week, and about Wednesday of that following week. So just over a week after diagnosis, they called me. And it takes a while to get qualified and get all the information. And of course, I had to talk to my husband and we wanted to talk to our family a little bit about it. And then, yeah, you have to start before six weeks uh, post-diagnosis. So we had a short turnaround time. Like we didn't have, you know, can we pray about it for a month type of a thing? (laughs) Like we just had to like quickly make some decisions and move forward. So it was wild. That's for sure. Yeah. What a Delaney. I mean, obviously she agreed to it, but did you have to talk her into it at all? So we left her out of it at first. We talked as husband and wife and we kind of tried to make some decisions ahead of time so that we could just go. She's a fairly intelligent child and just go at her with some information that kind of spoke to her love language, fully knowing that that I know I'm biased, but anybody that meets or falls in love with her and so fully knowing that they're going to do the same and then we're going to have a close relationship with them being that this is, you know, 84 week trial. So we, Jeff and I decided his immediate response was, I don't really see a reason why we would not, even if it's a, it's a double blind. So we didn't know if she was going to get the drug or not. And he said, even if she doesn't get the medicine, like, I don't see why we would say no. This is going to eventually help thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people across the world. (laughs) My response, because I'm the research junkie, was, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have doctors and nurses like at my beck and call. Like, I know nothing. I, I, I have a wonderful cousin who is a type one. And I mean, she's very honest and open about everything. But I had no idea what went into everything until all of a sudden I had an idea of what went into everything. So I was just thankful that we were then going to have, you know, so much support over mm-hmm. the next little bit. So but it was, that was wild. Like, oh, you have to make a decision really fast. Yeah, that's oh, that would have stressed me out to the max, which is, which is probably right. Timeline. We only have a short timeline to be stressed. <laughs> yeah. So I, now that I'm thinking about it, not that I'm jealous. Like, why didn't they contact me? But I, I'm wondering why they didn't contact me. You know what I mean? Like, why don't they contact everybody who is not yet six weeks out? So what, like, what's the, why did they contact you and not me? Because we see the same endocrinologist or the same right. group of endocrinologists. Right. Yep. So you actually were diagnosed just a little bit too early. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you'd have been just a little bit later. So they were conducting phase three at the mm-hmm. time in which Sarah was diagnosed. and so. When once they opened up phase four, which is what we are in, it allowed and, and then they're just like connected to the hospital. So then it just like flags up like, oh, this person was just recently diagnosed, this person, this person, whatever. 
And you automatically have to have like some levels that like match up to the parameters of the study. And so I don't know if like some of those parameters came back and like flagged her or mm-hmm. I haven't actually ever asked that. I just kind of figured like they get a weekly list of like these are the new patients. And that's how they called me. But <clears throat> literally from that that first phone call from Joe, the guy who like is clinical guru down at Nemours. He sent a whole bunch of paperwork for the weekend so that we like New England Journal of Medicine studies and articles galore. Jeff and I talked about it. I had a meeting with the lead doctor, Dr. Benson. That Tuesday, I had to like get somebody to cover my class to like come out and talk to them. And then from that point, we just went ahead and went down to Nemours for some blood work so that they could do extra blood checks and mm-hmm. lots of other like just like checklists. We're just going to check things off the list of like qualify, doesn't qualify, qualify, doesn't qualify because it's a process. It's you don't just qualify for it because you now have clinical onset of diabetes. Yeah. What was, can you explain to everybody what was that process like to see if she was a candidate for the study? Sure. So part of the qualification is that you have to have some of the autoantibody markers. So just like if you do. The, like the trial net, prick your finger, send it off type of a kit. They did that, made sure she had some of the autoantibody markers, which she did. And then something to do with the C-peptide levels. I'm not gifted in that region, but they had to be in a particular range. I forget what the range is, but C-peptide is a measure of how much insulin your body is still producing. Right. So I she... Think, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that is what their goal is. So yeah. the the drug itself is like the purpose of it is to take what your body still is producing and manufacture that. So they had to make sure you still had enough C-peptides remaining. Anyway, so once she did that and that quantified her, then we went ahead and scheduled to begin. So Teplizumab's purpose is to if onset has not begun is to delay onset if you have the autoantibody markers and if you do have onset that you kind of intercept the T cells and move them back to what they're supposed to be doing. So because she had onset, hers was you have to start within the first six weeks of diagnosis because some people fall fast out of honeymoon and other people can kind of linger a little bit. And the point is to to linger this a lot longer by way of this drug prohibiting the T cells to attack and kill all of the beta cells. Okay. So the ultimate goal of teplizumab is just to protect and protect the beta cells and preserve their function for as long as possible. Correct. And phase three showed an efficacy of like, if they had not had onset, it was like, 24 to 27 months, I think was like the median. It was just over two years. And then if they did have onset that they used far less insulin, synthetic insulin, than your dear friends do. So one of our, one of our first outings was to, what's the jump place? Oh, there's a lot. Velocity, urban air. Oh, well, our urban outing. Air. Yes, yeah. ours. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was funny because I think we started talking about basils and I was like, well, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this after you told me Sarah's. And I was like, no, we're on about two units, maybe three some night. Crickets go right. like just so little 
because your body is still producing it. And it fluctuates very quickly. Mm -hmm. So you do have to pay attention. Yeah. So we'll jump into the like the nitty gritty of what is involved with the trial in a second. But I think when by the time I had met you, Delaney had already done her first round of mm-hmm. infusions. So our first one started like before. I mean, we may have just gone over the one month mark, but it was very close behind that. So once that that second step of of qualifying, you have a twelve day infusion of the or placebo. You don't know which one. And the very first day, you have to go in having taken no insulin, drink this giant milkshake, and you have to see what your body does with that, how long it it peaks, and then how quickly it comes back down. They're taking like vials of blood like every 15 minutes, checking as they're, they're she has a pick line in at that point. So, I mean, it's not like they're, they're pricking her arm or whatever each time, but it was, it was just wild. She failed that day and so we could not start mm. and it was horrible the the night before i had i mean i was so new i had no idea what i was doing so like midnight i had to give a correction and then she was going i think still higher and you can't be out of range like they give you a range you can't be out of range and then you can't give a correction within like 2 hours of the test starting and so <laughs> it's just a ball of nerves we went ahead and and began the test, but the body did not cooperate. So we still that that first day of going to the hospital and everything did not know if we were going to be able to start. So the next day we went back, and I was ready for a fight. I wore my shirt that said "Not today, Satan," and it all went well without a hitch. And then we got started, and so then it was twelve days from then for the first infusion. So okay. anyways, so I just want everybody to really understand like what you and Delaney have had to sacrifice to go through this study. So you mentioned it briefly, but well, first of all, the study is going on during the world of COVID-19. So she had to have like COVID tests, right? To Well, she's had several. Yeah. So to to rule out that before she started, Mm -hmm. then she has to get a PICC line, which why don't you describe what a PICC line is for people who don't know? So a PICC line is a very small, thin catheter tube that goes in your arm. I don't even know the name of the vein, but I'm sure it's like the, it's a main artery and it goes into your heart. And it goes like not into her heart, but close to her heart so that the medicine um, can quickly get into her and be more effective. And it's also for her benefit because that way they don't have to prick her every day. They don't have to get an IV in over the, for the next 12 days. It's a lot of blood. When they tell you, when you're signing the papers for consent, I mean, it. they were like calculating the number of, of vials and I'm sure they read it in milliliters. And I was like, that sounds like a whole lot. I'm just going to keep signing because <laughs> I knew like overall it was your blood's going to replenish itself. But they were like, it's a lot. So we're going to do whatever we can to conserve and we're not going to send her for blood draws, you know, haphazardly. Like we're we're only going to send her if she needs it. So anyways. My goodness. And that was like the day before you went in for the milkshake test that she got the pick yep. line? Yep. So the pick line is scheduled for a Sunday and then they want day one to be a Monday so that you can be finished by the following Friday so that it's a total of 12 days and... So. Yeah. But, and she keeps this pick line in for 12 whole days. I just, I don't right. want, I'm like, I'm so amazed by her grit. Honestly, I'm not going to name any names, but I feel like there's some people in my life that would have been, this would have been a hard no. 
She is amazing. I obviously, you know, think the world of her since she's my daughter and all, but she really does. She, I mean, she wants to be a doctor in the first place. And so she, I love research and I think that she has cut like research of any kind. And I think she has kind of jumped on board with that just over time, researching different things and having probably sometimes useless nuggets of information. But she knew the risks and the rewards ahead of time. The first pick line was pretty painful. They, they could not get it, you know, in one spot. And so they had to start over again. And that was tough, but she was tougher. The second time, this last time we did it, I said, please, let's go ahead and sign up for the medicine ahead of time. And it was fantastic. It was one of the highlights of my parenting journey because she saw a lot of, what, what was she seeing? Particles. That There were particles that were talking. Fantastic. That's amazing. You don't, I will not share them with anybody and you don't have to show me, but do you have videos of these chats that you had? Alice. Yeah, girl. Of course. Any what what good parent so wants to have videos like in procedure rooms at the hospitals, right? So I just quietly laid it on the table behind her head and just kept clicking record. So I was actually recording them doing the procedure. So there's no like laws I don't think that are broken. If anybody's listening to this and I did break a law, my phone number. What's your number, Katie? No, I'm just kidding. So, but yeah, it was hot. I mean, she saw a person named George. We still don't know who George is. Like the x-ray table kind of like comes over her. The x-ray machine was moving um, and it was going to dip down and hit us. And she was like, we were just laughing hysterically, the nurses and I. It was fantastic. So I knew she was not in pain or any danger. So I was yeah. able to laugh. But that second time went really well. And we keep, it has to stay covered, has to stay clamped. Like once you leave the hospital, it's this whole procedure of like after everything's done, they flush it with saline, they lock it with heparin, and then they clamp the line. A couple times I left and one of the nurses would text and be like, hey, I think that it was done. Will you just double check that it's clamped, that it's locked? That's obviously a big deal that, you know, it's not she's not going to bleed out. So yeah. always was. They're really good. I love their hearts and like wanting to check and double check and triple check. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. I I think that's amazing. I just have to say, because I had to look it up when earlier when you were talking, the PIC lines mm-hmm. are placed through the basilic, brachial, cephalic, or medial cubital vein of the arm. So mm-hmm. just FYI. Well, I can't repeat any of that, but I'm super proud to know you. Thanks. I just was like, I have to know this. Like I learned this in yep. physical therapy school and I need to go look it up. So I think I said brachial. So I was right. It was one of the choices. Right. Yes. Okay. Let's see. So we've talked about the pick line. So she goes in for 12 straight days of infusions. And now how long are you guys in the hospital these days? You're not spending the night. I know that. But how long, like from check-in to check-out, are you? St- so each day is a bit of a d- timeline plus or minus about an hour, around four hours is kind of their goal. So some days they have safety labs and they want to, they're like an hour ahead of like time of start so that they can check your liver function. They can measure your C-peptide levels so that they can check white blood count. So one of the side effects is that your um, white blood count, if you're receiving the teplizumab, can drop. And so to check all of those things and to make sure that you're still in like a healthy place and nothing, no damage is actually being done. 
And so some those days would have to be about an hour more. And then once you get the safety labs back, you can pre-med. And that consists of a very healthy dose of Benadryl and Motrin. And she would do schoolwork. So her teachers, both at the first infusion and this infusion, would send home, you know, kind of a two-week lesson plan of this is what we're doing, where we're going type of a thing. And she would work from like seven in the morning till about 10, 30 or 11. And then like you could see like she just got this glazed look on her face and she was done. And then she was exhausted for the next like, you know, four or five hours, depending on on the day. The first day, the medicine or the placebo is, or, or the infusion, I guess I should say, is only, I think, at about 25%, might be 50. And then it goes to 75 and then 100 or some sort of configuration. It's not in a full dose until day three. And so leading up to that, you, if you're receiving the medicine, you would have a lot of those side effects and maybe nausea or vomiting or she may develop a rash. And this was all in like the paperwork. We received, you know, just shy of 10 or 14 days diagnosis, <laughs> but we agreed to it and it was fine. So, and she never, she never really had any major side effects. She did have some. We are expecting that she did get the medicine, but you don't know until the end of the trial. So, anyways. wow. Do you know how many people are in this trial? I do 321. Wow. There's a little bit of a debate. <laughs> the doctors will be able to tell you specifically. I say 311. Delaney swears 321. <laughs> so the goal okay. of phase four was to get 300 around the country. Yeah. Okay. So. That's that's amazing. I mean, when you really do the math, she's one in, I mean, she's just a very rare, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but like, there's yeah. not many people doing this around the country is what I'm trying to say. Right. So yeah. That's amazing. 300, 321 or 311. Either way, that's not a lot of people in the whole United States. So Exactly. Crazy. So, okay. I know. And it's cool. Like I want them to, you know, 10 years from now have like a teplizumab reunion of sorts just yeah. for the kids and the moms to, and you have to be like a certain age range also. Hmm. So like for everybody to get together and the moms will probably be like, yeah, we were plum crazy. How could we sign up for this 10 days post-diagnosis? I still don't know what's happening. I don't know. What do I do with this insulin? I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Well, that's how they get you because they know you're still in some this major brain fog and they're like, hey, I have, I know it would be fun. Let's. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. That sounds like a good idea. No, right? I think it's, I truly think it's amazing. I mean, honestly, like when you first told me she's in a clinical trial, I'm like, oh, okay, that's fun. But when you really started diving into what that involved and what she has to go through and what you have to go through, I mean, it's truly amazing, really. Like, I just think she's so brave and and so great for even volunteering to be a part of this. And so in the name of T1D Research, I thank you very much. And I also want people to know that you were kind, you were very humble in saying she's a smart kid. Delaney is a genius. She <laughs> is. She's an old soul and she's goofy and silly, but she's also a genius. And I, I feel like it takes a kid with, I don't know, a deeper understanding of things, a kid who can see the big picture to really mm-hmm. agree to something like this, you know? So mm-hmm. it's I awesome. I think that we also, thank you. I think that we also, like when Jeff and I talked about it ahead of time, we were very careful. We already knew that we wanted to. And so we were very careful to 
quote unquote, allow her to say yes, but we kind of guided her into that, knowing that whether she gets the medicine or not, we have all of these people that are here to help us. I know nothing. Daddy knows a little bit. We have great support. Our Both of our families are here. So we, I mean, we did not spend a day without food for over two or three weeks. And my mom came clean to my house. And I mean, just we, we were so blessed and so fortunate, but we knew we wanted to do this. And so when Jeff and I said yes, we then approached our families and said, we think we're going to do this. We're going to talk to Delaney. Would you guys be willing to also help? Because it's a t- that's two full weeks and I cannot take off work and he cannot take off work. So that means you guys have to come in and help as well. My parents, my parents and his parents are both retired. And so at the same rate, knowing that they don't have, quote unquote, anything to do, they still have their lives. They still have things that they do. My parents help take care of my sister's kids. And so a couple days a week was out for them with that. And so it was just a lot of like talking to everybody and making sure before we went to Delaney, we had all of that information and said to her, you know, you can say no, but I want you to listen to all of the benefits. I want you to realize the the bigger picture of this and not focus on yourself. I want you to think of others ahead of yourself and know that we have a great family support. We are not I say this to everybody. I have some friends at church that have no family here and they're expecting their fourth kid. I don't know how. I mean, we're a great family at church. Like everybody pitches in and I'll come pick her kids up. Somebody else will pick them up. Like one of them's feeling sick. Somebody will go get the other kids. But whoa, I would not, I would not do well with that. So people that live so far away from their families, like, I don't know that this would be an option because I mean, I could have called you. You know, I would have helped you. Actually, that would have been smart. Why didn't I think of that until right uh, now? Well, and I should have offered, honestly, but I... You would have had so much fun. I would have had a great time. Oh my gosh. I could have brought my microphone, Shannon, and I could have just interviewed every single person there. Live streaming with Katie. Live streaming well, with Katie. Okay. There's another MMTT in April. Okay. So let's hope the COVID stuff has lifted by then and bring this cool microphone and let's go. Okay. What the show with Katie Rosebrook? I know. Actually, Shannon did give me the emails of a few of the doctors who are um, heavily involved with this particular clinical trial. And I'm going to co- reach out and contact them to see if they would want to come talk to me too. So you guys can hear kind of the the medical side of the whole thing as well. Even though I feel like, I feel like we're doing a pretty good job, Shannon, of covering the medical we, side of this. We both do have medical degrees because we have type 1 children. That's right. We're basically we endocrinologists by time. default. Yes. We figured out one time like how many hours a PhD is and then how many hours we spend just on type 1 stuff. Like we have like five PhDs already, right? Oh, yeah. We're at least I mean, we're real qualified. Dr. Benson and Joe to talk to you more about the actual medical side because I understand that what the drug is supposed to do, but they have such better words, I'm sure, to yeah. share. Yeah, I'll I'll reach out. You've already told me that they are willing, so they better. If you, they better, I'm threatening them now, even though they're not going to hear this for a long time. Your endocrinologist is one of the the co-authors. Yeah. Yep. I know. Maybe yep. I need to have her on too. I think so. I really just need to sign her up to be like. Hey, can you just come on once a month to talk about something? Yes, let's <laughs> something. That. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So she's in the hospital. She's got the pick line hooked up. She's getting the infusions 12 days in a row. So there was a day that Shannon texted me that like Delaney's blood sugar was dropping and was she just asked me to pray with her that it would come up because if it drops, you're going to have to explain it because I don't know the details. I didn't ask at the time, but if it dropped, I was just like, yeah, I'll pray. Sure. But if it dropped, you weren't allowed to treat it, right? You weren't allowed right. to treat the low. Right. Okay. Nope. So that was the MMTT. That's the very first day that okay. they're measuring to see if your C peptides obviously hurts were working because she had this big giant milkshake and her blood sugar like barely went up at all. And when I saw it begin to make that curve down, you know, that curve you talk about on Dexcom, like, well, I know it still says straight across, but I see the curve already happening. I just kind of sat there thinking like, oh my word, now it's going to go down. I know how long it's going to take down. And this is a four hour test. She's not going to last that long. And what probably every parent of a type one kiddo knows is that each child is different. And so what your Dexcom reads is not always what is happening. And so I knew that when she starts going low, she's about 20 points slower than whatever Dexcom is. If it's steadily declining, if it's just kind of, if you can see the decline. So she got to 80 and I just sat there and I like those four hours, I'm doing nothing but like closing my eyes and just trying to stay calm because it's a trial. I'm not involved. It's not mom doing something. And so I knew that she was lower and I just kept watching her for any like outward signs. And finally, we were about an hour, just over an hour left. And like I said, they do blood every 15 minutes. And I turned to them as they got the the stuff for the blood work, that 15 minute <clears throat> shift. And I said, so she's going to be lower than what you're seeing right now. So does anybody want to make a phone call to make sure that we can still keep going? I want everyone in the room to hear me. I wanted to pull my teacher things out me like everybody touch your ears and listen. I don't care. She's in a safe place. I have had the privilege of of talking to them for, you know, at this point, at that point, eight months. And I had heard stories of other clinical trials and they had a clinical trial, I guess, for like a glucagon. And they they let you go like they're giving you insulin to get you low as low as they can. And only until you cannot take it another minute do they wait another minute and then give you. I know I, know. I can't do that. Is there a clinical trial where we just get to eat like milkshakes and Chick-fil-A and and then observe us? I'll sign up for that one. (laughs) I think I'll be there too. So I knew, even though every kid is different, you're not going to really pass out until you're like 20 or maybe below. There's definitely people who are different and you certainly don't want to have like, I know both of us have had a low where we're like, don't take me back there. Mm-hmm. So you definitely don't want to be like, oh, the alarm's ringing 50. You'll be fine. I'm not a proponent of that. I don't want you to feel that way. But I knew that we were in a hospital. We were in a safe place. It was a controlled environment. And so I just made sure everybody knew. You tell whoever. So NIH is kind of like the overseer, I think, of everything. And so they were going to call NIH. And I said, just tell everybody that mom is still okay and that everybody has eyes on her and is watching and she's not, she doesn't have any symptoms. So I'm fine to keep proceeding. So they got it okay, but (laughs) it would not raise back up. And I'm just like, 
oh God, please, like the part of the liver that's mm. defined right at the moment you need it. I was just like, please, I text. I finally walked out because I could no longer watch. And I text probably 20 people and just said, please, right now, pray that her liver produces even the tiniest bit of glucagon so that we can rise up a little bit so that she can finish and then start. And this to actually be day one. Yeah. I was gone for maybe 20 minutes and came back and everybody shouted 88. And I was like, I'm so excited. I've never been so excited for an 88. I mean, that, that number one proves that her body is still functioning with insulin. I don't want her to stay that low. She was having symptoms, which is why I had to walk out. But I told everybody before I left, I'm still fine. I'm just not going to be here to watch it. And they were like, we got you. It's all right. Go get a Diet Coke, whatever you need. And then everything was fine. Came back. She finished. That was about 10 minutes to go. And she was at 88. And I said, we've got at least 20 points. So dodged a bullet there with the whole dropping blood sugar. And I know that Delaney recently, today is Sunday, and Delaney Mm -hmm. finished up her second round of infusions two days ago on Friday. So, and that is it for the infusions, correct? Hey everybody, it's Katie, interrupting for just a second to tell you about the product feature of the week. So our family recently set up and switched over to the DIY loop system. And within about two hours, I realized it was way more important now than ever before for Sarah to stay pretty near her phone and this new little thing she gets to carry around called an orange link. Sarah is 10 years old and apparently she's too cool for school. So fanny packs and spy belts are out. No offense to those wearing fanny packs and spy belts. Personally, I think they're fabulous, but Sarah will not wear them. Look, I get it. Whatever, man. Now, she does have her adorable sugar medical bag that she likes to take to school, but when she's at home, that gets left in random places around the house far, far away from her. I really needed something that Sarah was willing to wear that would basically attach her phone and orange link to her body, but was also super comfortable. Sarah is a huge comfort person. She likes soft and stretchable clothing, don't we all? So I was on the hunt to find just that. Through the suggestion of a good friend, I landed on the Fabletics website with four pairs of their on-the-go high-waisted six-inch shorts with their signature power hold fabric in my shopping cart in size extra, extra small. Um, you guys, these shorts are amazing and Sarah loves them. She has to Declared that she basically wants to live in them for the rest of her life. First of all, they have three, that's right, I said three, deep pockets, two on each side and one that is hidden in the waistband at the front so she can easily carry around her phone and her orange link without me worrying about them falling out. If you are looking for something similar, you've got to check these out. I will leave a link in the show notes. Plus, if you sign up for the Fabletics VIP membership, you can get these shorts for only $12 a pair. Seriously. They would cost more than that if I went to Target or bought something off of Amazon. And the quality is way better. Go check them out. Again, there's a link in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the show and my chat with Shannon. So, and that is it for the infusions, correct? It for the infusions. However, I will say if we finish our 84 weeks and the FDA has put their stamp of approval and say anybody that received it that wants to continue receiving, like let's say they allow you to do a 12-day infusion once a year, I would sign up for it. Hand 
right now, hand me the papers and I will sign them. Like the benefits just so far outweigh the negative, the downfalls. Like there are some. I don't want to act like it was not stressful. I, I asked Jeff a bunch of things preparing for this and his thoughts when talking about this was the biggest downfall was the scheduling. Like just knowing that, you know, I'm watching my kid's blood sugar while she's at a hospital. She's got, you know, people all around her. We kind of had a nickname for her. And every day on Facebook and Instagram, we would, you know, post an update of like, oh, this is what she got for lunch. And this is what she did. And this is what how she was feeling. But tomorrow's a new day and hopefully it could be better or whatever the update was. And pictures this time around, we wore matching shirts from your store. It was so fun, but just uh, I would do it again simply for the benefits. Uh, like I said, we think that I got all all signs lead to the fact that we got to Plizamon. And I cannot say it enough that I think this is the drug that's going to begin flipping the type one world upside down. And that is so exciting. I never wanted to be in this world. I watched her for three or four months wondering, is this ADD? What does it matter? Why Why is she like sleeping hours upon end? Why can't she fall asleep? Why this, this, this? And finally one night, like after she's, you know, had a gallon of water five times a day up for the third time. And I just looked at her and I was like, oh my gosh, do you have diabetes? She keeps walking. And I was like, like, I didn't know what to do at that point. And so I was just like, okay, night, night. I just like sat on it and prayed about it. and But I knew that that was the answer. And I think that that's part of the reason why she may, if she in fact got the drug, that this that she's so successful because that follow, that was a Wednesday. That following Sunday was diagnosis day. So I didn't wait. I, I knew right away what was happening. She just had crossed over the threshold of being in DKA. So we didn't have to stay, you know, and, and pick for a long time. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like we were in a lot of, of medical danger. I mean, I realize that's dangerous, but she was in a good-ish place. Like it was not dangerous, like some of the stories that we've all heard. And so absolutely, I'd sign up again, even though it was a lot of work. <laughs> and oh it gosh. still is. Like, I mean, there's an app that you have to upload information. The trial's 84 weeks. And so I think three or four times you have to wear a study Dexcom. And then during that time, about ten, seven days before and the first three of the study Dexcom, you're loading what was your blood glucose before breakfast? How much insulin did you take? Did you have any reaction? If you had any hypo throughout the whole study, why did you have the hypo? How did you treat it? What was the lowest number? Did you check it with CGM or did you check it with a finger stick or did you do both? Who was there with the child? So it, like, it's a lot of questions, but most of us have our phone in our hand at all times. And so, I mean, it is a lot of somebody told me the other day, they're like, you were always looking down at your phone. I'm like, listen, it's not that. I wish you knew what I was looking down at. I know. So I know I was at church this morning in our in our little like Sunday school class afterwards. <laughs> you know, I'm everybody knows that Sarah has type one, but I definitely had that thought of like, I look like the biggest jerk right now. Like here, like everybody's in this deep discussion and I'm over here like texting and and they all knew, they all knew, but it's right. just like 
you, it's like you want to wear a sign on your head that's like, I'm not ignoring you. Right. I'm a really nice person, but my child has type one and I have to be on my phone a lot to monitor their blood sugar and can, right. you know, converse with her and other people. What have you, so you've said a couple times that you did not know, you do still do not know if Delaney actually got to plizumab through the infusions, which again, can't, I know that's how clinical research is done. And, but it's just like, it's just crazy to think about that. But you also feel pretty confident that she did. So tell us why. What have you kind of seen as far as blood sugar while she's been going through all this? Yeah. So the first, when they first approached us and through the those those first, you know, seven to 10 days of conversation, they obviously went over all of the side effects and the the things that, you know, everybody would find scary when reading through the New York or New England Journal of Medicine as they dialed down everything medical. And I just knew that I read side effects and I, because I'm a, have a PhD in monism, I knew that everything is side effects. Benadryl was a side effect. You get a rash from, from taking Motrin. Like I am just not that mom that, it's not that I don't care, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to put some baking soda on it. I think you'll be all right. Walk it off. <laughs> Come on, drink some water. It will get better. That's not how that works, friends. That's not. But you're pretty chill um, is what you're trying to say. Like you're pretty chilled, mom. I'm very, other people would not say that. So anybody listening to this is going to be like, no, I generally am in my head freaking out, but I can keep it cool on the outside. So I'm the one that if you're impaled with something, I can hold the blood. I am there with your intestines and I am good until the paramedics get there. But I am assessing everything in the situation as it's happening. And I will scream and shout and delegate things like, you go do this, you go do this, go do this, grab that, do this. Because there, somebody has to make the decisions and I am just fine being that decision maker. But I am also, because I'm in my head, I knew that this is not just Motrin. If she does receive the drug, it's not just, you know, what does this rash look like? How, when you say she may get a headache, do I give her Tylenol for it? Or is Tylenol not going to even come close to it? And so we're not going to do that. So I had I had a lot of questions written down about that as far as the side effects go. But when we started, one of the first side effects was headache. And she, the very first day was like, I have a headache. How much of a headache? A little bit or a lot? Because you have to tell them all of these things. The second day, I think I'm a little bit nauseous. She vomited by the end of that night. And then by the third day, it was exhaustion. Like, I mean, prior to diagnosis, exhaustion. And then the blood work came back and we saw that her white count had dropped. And so everybody is like secretly cheering because I mean, that would be a good sign that she would be receiving the medicine. Her white count went up all later in the, over the course of those two weeks and all of the side effects stopped. So, I mean, that's why we think she got it. They will tell us, like I said, at the end. And until then, we're just thankful that I'm using far less insulin. I don't, I don't know how to say this statement nicely to a bunch of people that are like, I don't know. I'm, I'm anywhere between 20 and 30 units of basil at night. No, no. So I'll go ahead and confess it right here. Everybody, don't take a drink. You'll spit it out. She is anywhere between, like, we're not even really eligible for a pump until just now when she went through growing spurt because we don't use the minimum amount of 
insulin per day. So she's anywhere between three and maybe five during a growth spurt. And her carb ratio is like a divide by 40, 50. Kind of look at the plate and decide, is it a heavy hitter on glycemic index? Or, mm-hmm. you know, are you eating a bunch of cheese and olives and four crackers? And then like, I mean, she was at your house one time and didn't you say like they had popsicles and she was like, nope, it's low enough. I don't need insulin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We had, we busted out. I'm pretty sure they were just a, it was just a regular popsicle. It wasn't like a sugar-free popsicle or anything. And yeah, I'm over here giving Sarah like three units of insulin for this one popsicle. And Delaney's like, oh, this is a free food for me. I'm like, really? I tried to tell her at the beginning, like, honey, don't say it's a free food. It's not. Yeah. Just say I don't need to give insulin at this point. Right. But I mean, that's amazing. And I know like I don't have any other experience. So you and I have talked about like what was quote unquote honeymoon like. And I've talked to a couple of other people since then. But it just looks very different even from what others have have or how others have described their honeymoon. This is just wild. Like we we have seen some highs, but the highs have generally been in conjunction with like she was growing. She has not started her period yet, but I can see that it will be the last, probably will be the last week of the month. So that week is a little bit disgruntling. Like I have to, instead of, if I'm doing normally one to 50, I got to bump back to maybe one to 35, one to 40. But other than that, we're not seeing the the crazy ups and downs that everybody else does. And although I am frustrated with what we do see and I'm super excited now that we can get a pump, I want to be the one that literally stays between 85 and 100 all day long. Like even with food, you can spike a little bit more than that. I understand food in general, but I'm also the crazy mom who's pricking her own finger, like before meal, after meal, so that I could know what I don't have type 1 or 2 diabetes. And so what should it look like in a functional, as a functional pancreas? Right. And that's really where the benefit is, is in the blood sugar. Because I mean, who like really when it comes down to it, like who cares how much insulin you're taking? Like, you know, if you take 100, if I take 100 units a day and you take five, then that doesn't really matter. But are you keeping that blood sugar in a good range? Because that's what's Mm -hmm. keeping her healthy and keeping her safe and all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, Shannon has definitely shared some of Delaney's numbers with me. and, And it's, I mean, it's, I think they have a lot easier time staying in range than probably most of us do. And, and I mean, at this point in time, she's, she's been diagnosed for eight I, months, eight months. Gosh, mm-hmm. it seems like longer than that. But okay. I think when it's type one diabetes, I think you actually add seven years mm-hmm. to each year, something like that. It's yeah. a mathematical conundrum. <laughs> yeah. About that. Yeah. Seven to 10. I definitely lost 10 years of my life in 2020 sure. between the pandemic and Sarah's diagnosis. That's for sure. Okay. So you it's 84 weeks and you guys so what's what's next as far as the study cuz she's not getting any more infusions so you're just monitoring you said you have a couple mixed meal tests can you explain mm-hmm. what that is Yeah it's like the pregnancy glucose test basically Yeah oh like so, the milkshake that you described Yep okay So she cannot take any insulin ahead of time if she going to have her basal the night before if we were on a pump we would have to shut it off at a particular time I believe because we're not there. I didn't ask all those questions, but, and then you cannot have food, obviously water, 
brush your teeth, like just water, swash it, go in and you drink a milkshake and then they monitor your blood every 15 minutes for four hours and check your sugars and, and all the levels of all the things, which is why you should have the medical people because that doesn't really tell the audience <laughs> what it's measuring. <laughs> right. Um, but then they measure it, and and if she can can stay within a particular range, that just shows that she is still functionally making some insulin, and that she could proceed. Wow! So we have another one, and it. I think that somebody told me this last time that that's the best way they measure C peptides, and so she'll have another one in April of 2022, and then a, the final one in July of 2022. So otherwise. We just go in every month for some blood work and they'll check her like just basic height, weight type measurements. And that's that. Okay. A couple of different times we'll have to do like a study Dexcom again. We're in the middle of one now and then we'll do it one more time. And then, like I said, the app like follows several other things, including anytime hypos, but then occasionally following how much insulin she's having and what her blue blood glucose is at particular times before meals and everything. So, but other than that, like it's, it's not really that big of a deal. And like I said, my entire reasoning was I just have extra help. Like that's really the biggest benefit to me as a mom, because every single time they patiently sit and answer my 3000 questions, like, okay, but I get that she's in range 97% of the time. That's great. I'm in range 100% of the time. Okay. So that's great that you see people through a time in range of like 60% and that you're super impressed by this. But let's not forget that I'm the zealot and that I want that 100 as, as a basic teacher. That's <laughs> the goal. Okay. Listen, I want to, I want to, I did not give you this question ahead of time, but I kind of want, uh, people to know that you are a teacher. You've already said it a couple of times, but you teach at Delaney School. Mm -hmm. And you also, and I'm not obviously sharing any names because that would be against HIPAA, but you have a T1D, not Delaney, mm -hmm. but in your class mm -hmm. this year. So mm -hmm. what is it like to be a teacher at your kid school that has type one and then just in general be a teacher that's trying to teach, but also helping a kid manage type one? I would say... If I did not have a child who had type 1, I might be a little more hyper about everything. My partner teacher, we team teach, and she is not as comfortable with the kiddo that we have in class fluctuating as much as she does. She tends to be high in the mornings. She eats a lot of your favorite breakfast food and stays high. And so by the time she goes to get her lunch insulin, she is starting to come down. It's finally kind of subsiding. And then by the time she begins eating, she's going low. So she's sitting all through lunch at 60, and which, of course, we're not comfortable with. And so we've played a lot with times of when she gets the insulin and everything. And her parents are great. Like they, they you know, do a great job of managing and they actually probably do a better job at letting the disease be the kids, that they are there for support, but that is her disease. And so that has taught me a lot as a mom, like 
I think that I keep reminding Delaney, this is yours. I won't sadly be at college when you go away. I can't stand right beside you, you know, 24-7. This is yours. You have to manage this. And so you have to to know your body, know what you want to eat, how long ago you had insulin, when, you know, all of these complex things. And they do a great job of teaching this kiddo that I have that. And so that said, she has not had teplizumab. And so her numbers are like the vast majority of, of people's. And so she's super high for super long and then she's super low for super long. Like it won't come up. Like she'll come into school sometimes and you can just see. And I just look at her and I say, last night was really low, wasn't it? It's like, yes. Opposite, like still has a raging headache, like coming in in the morning. Like I think it's finally starting to come down. Okay, donate the cereal. Here's some peanut butter. But it's been wild. It's been a good learning experience for me. It's hard to be a teacher and a mom of a type one because I am not that child's mom. And so I don't get to make the decisions about when to correct or when not to correct. And I am very happy to give insulin all the live long day to my kid. That was something that I learned very early on, not only listening to your podcast, but a couple of others is that as long as you have this beautiful technology, hashtag thank you Dexcom, I can typically see what's happening. And the longer I go on, I can know what my kid is really in conjunction with that. How close is it to like if I were to do a finger stick? And so I give insulin like it is water sometimes like, well, that 160 won't come down. Go ahead. Whereas I think other people, this kid included, don't. Yeah. And that's okay. That's their decision. I'm not knocking that decision, but that's not my decision. That's not how I manage Delaney. And so it's hard in that aspect because although I respect, I mean, they, this child dropped a note off in my room last year, introduced herself, was so polite. Hi, my name is. I have type one as well. Please tell Delaney, here's some of my favorite free snacks. Here's some that are, you know, low carb. The mom sent me this wonderful email, like, welcome to the club kind of a thing. Like, we're here to to answer any questions if you have any. It was so nice. Like, they're doing a wonderful job. I'm not saying that they're doing something wrong, but everybody has, everybody knows their kid differently. Like, you know when Sarah's going to fall and when she's not going to move. Because you know what you've had, you know how long you've, or how much insulin on board she has, whatever. And so it's really hard as a teacher and a type one mom. Oh, I bet. But I'm thankful for it. I mean, I I wish that her teachers kind of had a little more insight, even though I'm sure they're probably like, we have enough. You've told us everything. (laughs) We wish Um, we had less, Shannon. No. (laughs) Right? Probably. But I mean, just the experience, like. Like you said, people don't understand. Like when she says, Mom, can I have this cupcake? I want to say yes, but I need to know when was the last time you had food insulin? When was the last time you had a correction insulin? What's your sugar now? When is dinner? Are we going are we going swimming in a minute? Are we yeah, like did you just get out of the pool? You know, all that stuff. Yep. So all of that stuff. And it it's more than just a yes or a no. Give mm-hmm. one unit for that. It's more than that. You're right. It is. And I think the longer time goes on, the the quicker I can move down the decision tree. You know, before I feel like it would have taken me like a long time to figure out like, is this a yes? Is this a no? If it's a yes, 
how am I going to give the insulin, blah, blah, blah. I feel like the decision tree making is getting a lot faster and maybe it's definitely not automatic yet, but I feel like we're we're getting there. But yeah, no, you're right. There's a million decisions that go into the question, hey, mom, can I have this cupcake? Yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I know you asked Elaney just a couple of quick questions about her experience with the whole thing. And why don't you read her answer or, or tell us what you asked her and then read the answers for the listeners. Yep. I am actually going to let her come in because I told okay. her she give the answers. We practiced. She had some tears at one time and I was just like, Lord, I don't think I can let her say any of this. Bless her heart. I know. She was, she, as you've shared, is thoughtful, really thoughtful about all of this. And so anyways, she's past that point. So that's good. That was yesterday. Today's different. Blood triggers were good last night. So we got some sleep, but I'm going to let her share. I told her to come in. Okay. Awesome. Is there something else that you want to talk about? I don't think so. I feel like we covered it all plus some. But, oh, look, she's got her little squishy. That's so cute. Yes, yes. Here, why don't you sit right here? Hi. She might actually, can she wear, can she sit where you are? Yes. Get get out of the chair, mom. Oh my gosh. Everybody's, everybody's calling me. People, I'm busy. Hold on one second, Delaney. Can you hear me pretty good? Yes, ma'am. Oh, look at you. You're so sweet and respectful. One second. Okay. I did make sure I had to tell people I was busy. Okay. All right, everybody. Shannon is still in the room, but I told her to get out of the chair and let Delaney take a seat. So I'm here with Delaney. And Delaney, why don't you just tell everybody what was it like for you going through this study? I know that's a big question, but in your own words, what was it like? Well, there were times where we sort of wanted to turn back. And there were times where it was like, this hurts too much, bye-bye. But... It was also pretty fun because I got a lot of stuffed animals and I got to make a bunch of friends out of nurses. Well, and I know at least you say now and your mom has mentioned a few times that you want to be a doctor one day. So I feel like this kind of gave you like a real life experience of what that might be like. Yes. Do you still want to be a doctor or do you want to be like an artist now? A doctor. (laughs) Okay. Doctor. Wonderful. So how do you feel? You're two days out from your last infusion. How do you feel? My arm still hurts a little bit from where the pig line was, but not that much. And I feel good otherwise. Yeah. You going to school tomorrow? Are you excited to get back to a little bit of normal life? Definitely. Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah, maybe that's what I need to do with Sarah. Just like take her out of school for 12 days and make her sit in the hospital. And then then she, in fact, maybe I'll do this with all my kids. And then they would be excited to get up in the morning and go to school. It would put things in. It could backfire. That's true. You're so right. Uh, well, Delaney, what what advice would you have for any kid or family who's considering being in a research study for type 1 diabetes? Ask questions about what happens first. But then remember that you're probably going to be sleepy most of the time because you have Benadryl most times and that there's still benefits to it for other people. So, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that without research like this, that we would never know, right? We'd never be able to make advancements and know if things worked or didn't work. And I think it's all for a wonderful cause. Oh, I'm glad I got to talk to you for a second. Is there anything else you want to say? No, I'm good. Why don't you pass that headset back to your mom? Oh, perfect. That was great. Thank you for having her come in. Yes. I think like the the biggest takeaway for me is that 
thankfully we were approached about this drug and thankfully we said yes, but that's why I want everybody to sign up for a clinical trial. You can do a clinical trial that is not a 12-day infusion. We have a friend that did a pump trial for three short months. We had a friend that just answered questions over the internet or like an app that took, I don't know, I think it was like 60 days. There's so many available. You can go to clinicaltrials.gov. And if you're specifically interested in obviously endocrine issues, there's ways to filter that out. But maybe you're interested in something else. If your family has you know, breast cancer survivors or or your family has been affected by that, maybe you want to look up those. And, and there's lots of things that people can do. And I want to shout it from the rooftop to just get out there and do it. Just, just offer yourself up as a study candidate. Because, I mean, that's why we are here at this point, that 100 years ago, they figured out how to even make insulin. And now we are at this precipice that it could be eradicated in her lifetime. Maybe not for her, and that's okay. I don't have hard feelings about that. But if she can have a child one day that already has predisposition to this disease and one little vaccine can help that or prevent it, I am here for it. So they have done so many studies about where the the root of it comes from, like what, where in the line of your body's defense do the T cells decline? And one of those is the Coxsackie virus that almost every child gets, but it stays with these children and something else then offsets those T cells and makes them really angry and they attack the beta cells, which is why we end up here. So they're working very hard, taking the teplizumab studies to make a Coxsackie vaccine. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's great. How many people whose kids have been to to preschool want hand, foot, and mouth disease eradicated? Hello. Yeah, absolutely. Every preschool teacher has their hand in the air right now. Yes, they do. Yeah, Coxsackie virus is also known as hand, foot, and mouth, which I actually didn't know that at first. I, you know, I had listened to the uh, Juicebox podcast episode on that a couple times, actually, and mm-hmm. and he kept talking about the Coxsackie virus, and I'm like, what the heck is that? So I didn't, I didn't realize that was hand, foot, and mouth. So yeah. yeah, and so many people are exposed to that or have it, and so just knowing that somebody at some point gave themselves to a study, so that a scientist who's way smarter than me is able to find these things out. And I'm just so thankful, so blessed. So ask your endocrinologist if you can be part of any kind of a study. Ask, go on clinicaltrials.gov. Just talk. I mean, even talking to your pediatrician, your pediatrician may know a study that is is helpful. And even if it's not with associated with type one, maybe you want to just ditch type one for a minute and do something else. I get that. Right. Yeah, I think that I feel like all of us as parents of type ones, like, are even even if we don't realize it or not, we're doing something to give back to the type one community in some way. Even if that's just reaching out to a member of the, of the community who's newly diagnosed and making them feel encouraged and loved and welcomed, like we're all doing something to give back to the type one world in some way. And I, I mean, you do a lot, but this is definitely a huge, a huge thing to give back to 
to this disease so, or the people who are, are affected by it. So again, thank you, my friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. People should check out DERF and TrialNet as well. I'm like thinking of all the people that have all of these trials all over their websites. They're just they're just great, great resources. And I know everybody is not a research junkie like me, but I also know at the end of the day, I'm just a mom. I said I wasn't going to cry. Hold on. I'm just a mom that wants her kid to not go blind. I'm just a mom that doesn't want her kid to have renal disease at 25 years old. I I want that's a heavy burden to bear. And like you and I say all the time, if we don't laugh, we're going to cry. Mm-hmm. And so I want to do the very best job that I can and be for me being educated about those things is one of those ways. And so I know that I'm a research junkie, but they have so many things on their site that can can help you and you can find so many resources to support that. Yes, absolutely. Who girl, you almost had me in tears too. Okay. We we, we all do that. I know. We all want that. My gosh, yes. We all want that for our kids for sure. What was I JDR, you already mentioned a couple, JDRF, TrialNet, and then T1D Exchange is another one. Mm-hmm. I get them yes. emails from them all the time, which I, well, I don't think we've actually qualified for anything yet, but we we do get emails from them all the time. So yeah, if you want to be notified, believe me, there are ways that you can be notified of what clinical trials are out there and available to you. And everything doesn't have to be as intense as this one. I should also add a small caveat that she... We found this out at the very end that she gets paid for this. And she has big plans that probably involve a mouse that lives in Orlando. But I think probably Harvard is calling more than the mouse. So we'll see. But we could probably spend a day at Disney for it. But they, they compensate you for this. Each one is a little bit different. So all is not, you know, through the, the 12 days that we, go and spend at the hospital. And then each time we go for blood work and, and I don't have to go to the quote unquote endocrinologist for my three month checkups because I'm already there. Yeah. So it's also cost saving a little bit for me. And again, every trial is not like that. So some of them are, you know, are way different. You might, you know, never have to go into an office, like I said, but it's super beneficial. And I, we didn't know that. And so I'm like signing the papers in the office and they start to talk about the payment method. And I was like lost looking at them and they're like, you don't know you get paid for this. I was like, but high five. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> the lady was sitting there and she was like, so they start telling you the numbers and she was like adding it up in her head. And she got to the final cost or final amount before they got to it. And she said it. And they were just amazed. They were like, girl, you are excited for the study now? She's like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Keep it coming. I love that. Hey, you know what? She deserves every penny that this world has to give her. (laughs) Y'all better pay that more girl extra if you can. Yes. Yes. All right, my friend, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up because we got stuff to do, right? You're busy. I'm busy. Yes. I mean, I always hear it. What'd you say? You see the big pile of laundry. I said, laundry's calling me. You see the big pile of laundry in my bed. So. I know. I just did all mine yesterday. I try to save it all for one day because that way I don't feel like I'm drowning in it every single day, which isn't Very easy wise. when you have two kids that play baseball because they are like always needing clean baseball stuff. But I mean, I like purposely went out and bought extra baseball pants just so I didn't have to do laundry every day of the week. Listen, you do what you have to do. Yeah. You're right. I will save it for one day. 
I generally try to finish it one day, but that did not happen yesterday. So yeah. here we are. That's okay. Right. No worries. It's not going anywhere. No. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for this podcast. I know you said in the beginning that that's, you know, how we even got connected, but it was so fantastic in those first few weeks of just drowning in insulin to know that somebody else was drowning in insulin with me. And you were hilarious. I mean, I cried my eyes out for the first episode, but then through the other episodes, laughed my head off. And so I love that. And it's so helpful when you're (laughs) in the midst of all this. I know we said text back and forth of like, oh my gosh, what is this number? Why is this happening? It's 10 o'clock at night. Why do I see a straight down arrow? I know. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for our friendship. I'm grateful that our kids got along because, you know, it's not like just because you have nine-year-old daughters with type one, they're going to get along. But man, do they get along really well. Seriously. I feel like they're both a little quirky and that really works in their favor when it comes to their friendship. You know what I mean? And and I mean that with all the love in my heart. You know that. You don't. Yeah, for sure. I was like, high five on that. She sure is. (laughs) You're kidding. Yeah, exactly. All right. Good stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're so welcome. I will. I'll see you soon. I'll talk with you soon. I know. I'll probably text you later today. Bye. Okay, bye. Well, that's it for our episode today. I gotta say, I was getting rather emotional going back and re-listening to and editing that episode, not only because Shannon is one of my good friends, and I'm just so grateful for her and her family, but because it really hit me of just how much they have had to sacrifice to be a part of this study to benefit the greater good. I can say without a doubt, that this would have been a hard no for us. Sarah can't even handle the thought of trying out a new yet very similar lancing device for finger pricks, much less tolerate 12 straight days in the hospital hooked up to a pick line. And that's okay. I don't feel shame or guilt about that. It's not for everyone. All that to say, I am really so grateful for Shannon and Delaney and her dad, Jeff, and really just their whole family, grandparents included, for being willing to be a part of something this difficult and make these kind of sacrifices. So from me and the rest of the Type 1 community, thank you. All right, my friends, I'm going to go ahead and sign off for now. I will chat with you next week. But until then, stay calm and bolus on. Bye.